0: Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.
1: Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season, when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. And the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers, and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now, wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for
2: listening. ES Audio. From the Evening Standard in London, I'm John Weeks, and this is The Leader. As Rishi Sunak calls on world leaders at COP27 in Egypt to protect the planet for our children and grandchildren, back home there's pressure on his government to do more to tackle global warming. Just Stop Oil campaigners have climbed onto gantries at various junctions along the M25 as they continue calls for the government to halt all new oil and gas licences. The action comes just as National Highway secured a new injunction to prevent unlawful protests on the motorway, meaning those entering, staying or affixing themselves to a structure on the M25 could face stricter punishments. The Met Police has been carrying out a significant operation to arrest those climate change protesters causing disruption. But what impact will the continued efforts of Just Up Oil have in Egypt? And will we see meaningful action announced by world leaders at this year's COP event? Joining me now is Professor Simon Lewis, a climate scientist at UCL and University of Leeds, who is at COP27 in Egypt. So Simon, what's the mood at this year's event? And are there any signs this one will actually lead to big changes?
3: I think the mood is is more sombre and difficult than it was a year ago in Glasgow. And that's because in that intervening year, we've got the Russian war in Ukraine, which has had these huge effects in terms of uh, fossil fuel prices and therefore energy prices and living cost prices. And that's built over into into food costs. So there's a really different geopolitical energy from a year ago. And also we've seen really uh, startling climate impacts over the last year. Um, We've seen a third of Pakistan underwater Uh, enormous floods in Nigeria, displacing millions of people. Uh, You know, the European heat wave in the summer and a really long and pretty devastating heat wave in China as well this summer. So it's actually a big shift from a year ago, even though it's only 12 months since the last last talks.
2: Obviously back home, as expected really, just-stop oil protests are continuing. Again, just a call on the government to stop all new oil and gas licences. From your experience, I mean, is that the right call? Or do you think there should be a bigger focus on other areas? I,
3: I think it is the right call, to be honest. I mean, it's a pretty desperate situation. You know, this is COP 27, in fact, 27 years of this. And governments are only going as far and as fast as, you know, the people who are either electing them or forcing them into better positions. So I think kind of public protest that keeps it high up on the agenda is really important and it really it's a no-brainer for Rishi Sunak to not do any more oil licenses from the time of, of licensing through to actual oil production is an absolute minimum of five years and the average is something like 19 years so it's going to make no difference to the economy it's only going to be disastrous for the climate not only from those emissions but also from what the signal it tells the rest of the world. So in Africa, there's a bit of a discussion about should it exploit its own fossil fuels because the West is still doing it and is not following the advice that it's giving everyone to get their emissions down fast.
2: So compared with other countries in Europe, but also across the world, really, how big a part is the UK playing when it comes to action on climate change?
3: Well, the UK's had a a positive role in the past has been a kind of leader in terms of getting emissions down from our electricity production. So we're almost entirely out of coal and we are uh, doing a lot more in renewables than many other countries. But we're kind of seen as like pretty rocky now because we had the Climate Change Act and that was the first legislation globally to legislate to get emissions down. But we're currently way off track to meet those legally binding targets. What Richard Yusunak needs to do pretty pretty fast is lay out a detailed plan that's costed to help the economy and help people get their emissions right down so that we can get to net zero, stabilise emissions and stop all these climate impacts getting worse and worse.
2: And obviously, as you sort of just mentioned there really, every year the climate situation does get more and more severe, as do the warnings and protests as we've seen. Do you think world leaders take notice of the action being taken by the likes of Just Stop Oil here in the UK?
3: I think they do, they, they do respond to public pressure of, of all sorts. And you know, there's obviously an ecosystem of different ways of pressurising the government. But I think they, they do force to listen. Richard Sunak said he was too busy for this conference. He was too busy to engage in dealing with climate change. And actually the voices were saying, from all sorts of of corners of of UK society saying, that is not right. And I think then he reappraised and he's he's obviously here today and he's going to speak later on this afternoon.
2: I know it's early days at COP27, but based on conversations you've had with other independent experts and climate scientists,
3: is there anything
2: new or anything that's given you cause for renewed optimism at all?
3: Uh, I think on the political front, the election of Lula, the new president of Brazil, that will... I expect transformed deforestation rates from being very high under the current government to starting in January, seeing laws enforced and a big reduction in deforestation in the Amazon. Bring it away from that tipping point of where it could start uh, collapsing. And I I think that that's a really bright spot. And he sent a delegation here as president in, in waiting. And they're now talking to governments of the Democratic Republic of Congo and Indonesia. So they're really three big rainforest countries with big problems with deforestation to talk together about how they can collectively get deforestation down, another cause of emissions. And that would be a really powerful, positive message to come out from this conference later on over the next two weeks.
2: Let's take a break now. In part two, the Evening Standard's Home Affairs editor, Martin Bentham, Describes the situation police are faced with when it comes to protest action on the M twenty five.
0: There's a limited amount that in a democratic society that a police force can do. And that's obviously quite right, isn't it? That really the police have to operate within the bounds of the law, have to respect the the, the law and allow people a right to protest.
1: wherever you get your podcast, Thanks for listening.
2: Joining me now is The Evening Standards Home Affairs editor, Martin Bentham. So, Martin, first of all, can you just explain what action Just Up Oil protesters have been taking along the M25 today?
0: The police, various different police forces, the Met, Surrey Police, Hertfordshire Police, Essex Police, have all had to deal with different protests of protesters from just up Oil climbing onto gantries and causing road closures in essence in those different locations there's about at least nine locations i think as as it stands where that's happened north and south of the city of, of london and although each on each occasion the disruption doesn't appear to have been very long because the police were aware that this was going to happen and we're obviously ready and had large numbers of officers on standby to go and deal with it it still takes time to get somebody safely down from a gantry and in the meantime they've got to close the motorway so there were Closures sort of, it's not quite clear how long in each case, but certainly 40 minutes, an hour or so in different locations. And clearly you can imagine that on a busy motorway like the M25, that must have caused a very significant disruption to all the people who are driving there, which, of course, was the point of the protest.
2: <laughs> Obviously, for the police, it's, as you said, you know, a massive operation to deal with certainly the protests today specifically. I mean, how much is this sort of work taking up the the police time, really?
0: The reality of it is that the Met Police Assistant Commissioner, Matt Twist, who's been in charge of their operations, has made the point that the Met has had to have a large number of officers. He said last night it was 10,000 officer shifts uh, since the start of October have been devoted to People being on standby or actually dealing with the Just Stop oil protests, because, of course, you have to have people ready to go and to deal with this in case it happens, never mind when it does happen. And he's made the point that that's diverting people from more routine duties, dealing with robberies, burglaries, street crimes, et cetera, et cetera. So, of course, it's having a significant uh, impact on police. And although the mess has got a record number of officers, they haven't got a, an infinite number of officers and every officer that's taken off to go and deal with a climate protest of this type is obviously an officer who isn't doing a different type of job. That might also just be pursuing a case that they're seeking to process to bring to justice. So all these things will have a knock on impact. And clearly the mess are concerned about that, As as I'm sure the other forces that are caught up in today's action will be too.
2: And we know National Highways has secured a new injunction on protesters going onto motorways or climbing on gantries, meaning stricter punishments for those who do it. Do you think action like that will deter protesters from taking this kind of action?
0: No, it's a short answer to that, isn't it? Because they can already be arrested for... The Met has been arresting people for uh, criminal offences, causing a public nuisance, and and the test there is whether it's a disproportionate impact, because of course there is a right to protest, so on every occasion the Met has to work out and other forces have to work out whether there's a legitimate right to protest and whether the, the proportionality of that protest is legitimate and therefore lawful. In these cases they're arguing that because there are a small number of people involved on each occasion and the number of people affected are clearly very large, then that that Impact is disproportionate, and therefore that tips it into being an unlawful protest as opposed to a lawful one. And so, clearly, the protesters involved do know that there have been six hundred, well, nearly seven hundred arrests, and we may have got to seven hundred. This is by the mess and leaving aside the other forces um, since the protest started. So clearly, lots of people know that there have been arrests; that people have been arrested. They're taken to court. There's been a 100 and more charges now, I think, and clearly there'll no doubt be more as the police gather the irrelevant evidence to prosecute people, which is not a straightforward thing necessarily, incidentally. It's not quite as straightforward as it might appear. And so, yes, I think clearly the protesters know that they're likely to have a, a day in court potentially and to have a criminal conviction registered against them. They clearly view that as a price worth paying for as they see it. Raising concerns about the devastating effect of, of climate change and the impact of fossil fuels, in particular, which is the focus of the Just Stop Oil protests. And of course, you can argue that clearly the impact of climate change is far greater than the minor inconvenience of receiving a small criminal sanction. Albeit, of course, if you've not got a criminal record, achieving a criminal record or requiring one is a, is a pretty big thing. So it's a significant step that they're taking, but they clearly know that they're doing that and taking that risk and they're willing
2: to pay that price. And is there any further action that the police or government could take to deter protesters from continuing these kind of protests?
0: I don't actually think there is because the police clearly have to operate within the bounds of the law. There is a right to protest. And clearly, also on a practical level, the M25 being a case in point, unless you station police guards on every gantry <laughs> or some sort of guarding system on every gantry, of course, how do you know that somebody's going to? You can have the best intelligence in the world. And on this occasion, they knew that this was going to happen. But it's quite hard to find a way to, to stop it. And of course, yeah, you know, the other protests we've seen are people sitting down in the middle of roads. Well, there's an awful lot of roads in London, aren't there? And there's a lot of main roads, busy roads, so it's impossible from that point of view to do it. And of course, although some members of the public think the police should just wander along and drag people off the street instantly, or in obviously it's not quite so easy when somebody's on a a big motorway gantry, and you can't just be reckless about doing that. You've got to be careful how you're removing somebody. But even on the street, the police do have to operate within the bounds of the law, and they have to check the protest is legitimate and and so on. And, of course, if people are glued onto the to road service, which some of the people have been, that also takes time. You can't just rip their hands off the, the tarmac. And there's a limited amount that, in a democratic society, that a police force... Can do. And that's obviously quite right, isn't it? That really the police have to operate within the bounds of the law, have to respect the, the, the law, and allow people a right to protest. And when they stray over the line into potential illegality, then at least exercise restraint in the way that they're then dealing with them. You can't have rough justice, so to speak, of police manhandling and using excessive force, not least because, of course, what would then happen is that the police would then be taken to court for doing such a thing, whether it be criminal prosecution or sued, and cost would incur and so on, leaving aside whether the fact that it's not the right thing to do in the first place.
2: Do you think that this action from the protesters and also pressure from COP27 over the next few days will actually put pressure on the government to do what Just Up Oil are asking them to do, which is obviously cancel all new oil and gas licences?
0: Well, I don't think it will, actually, because, of course, it's a, a nuisance to people and an inconvenience. And there is significant public support for, clearly for action, to tackle climate change. Although there's obviously a gap, isn't there, quite often between what people want in broad terms and what they're able to do and willing to do in terms of their own their own lives. And so there is a gap there. But I think in terms of the government responding directly to the type of protests we've seen with Just Stop Oil or Extinction Rebellion, I think that's unlikely. And also the government clearly does understand the message. The problem, of course, from a government point of view is they then have to say, if you are to take the type of drastic action that protesters of different types want sometimes, then the consequences for ordinary people, including those people themselves, of course, but for lots of other people, are pretty dramatic. And it's not quite so easy as a politician to go around and uh, t- to advocate doing those things. Now, clearly, the climate protesters just up oil in an extinction rebellion before them argue that is necessary in a necessary price. But politicians obviously have to balance things like security of energy supply, for example. And, and clearly, one of the reasons it's been driving the continued support for some fossil fuel exploitation is the fact that we've just seen this gas crisis and, and the dangers of relying on big imports of gas from Russia and so on. And the move towards renewables, the long-term solution, is not an instantaneous thing that can be achieved overnight. Clearly, it should be Accelerated as fast as we possibly can to get to that position, but from a governmental point of view, I think that the government has to balance all the different factors and and suddenly saying to people, "Well, we're not going to have any fossil fuel generation and production, and certainly no new licences or or whatever." No new licences might be understandable and a legitimate thing to, and a sensible thing to do, but in terms of complete halting of of fossil fuels, for example, in the short term, it would be a a difficult step for a government to take, I
2: think. There's more news, interviews and analysis in the Evening Standard newspaper and at standard.co.uk. That's The Leader. Thanks for listening. We're back tomorrow afternoon at four o'clock.